Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So friends, yesterday we celebrated the feast day of St. Paul, right? The conversion of St. Paul. Today we celebrate the feast day of two of his great disciples, Timothy and Titus, his spiritual sons. I love how in the beginning of that second letter to Timothy, how it starts off this little little line where Paul addresses Timothy as my dear child. I don't know if you caught that. I several times reading through that passage yesterday and like fourth time, fifth time, I was like, oh, wow. Just amazing how sometimes those things jump out at you. It's just beautiful, this sort of extraordinary little glimpse of his spiritual fatherhood. Okay, so these young men whom Paul traveled with, these young men who that, that Paul formed and he was empowering to lead the fledgling Christian communities at these different places, Timothy and Titus, they were overseers, Greek episkopoi, where we get the word bishop, right? The episcopal office. They were episkopoi. They were the overseers that Paul appointed into these leadership roles to um, lay hands on and uh, form other priests, essentially what they were doing, right? So you see the, the proto-hierarchical um, structure that we see in our, our church today. So who were these guys, these men? We don't have a lot of details about their backgrounds so much, but I can say this, that they were not men who were dropped from heaven <laughs> in the sense that they had supernatural power and charisma, that they were like these incredible leaders. No, these were ordinary men. These were ordinary men. And they were also probably young men. Like, I'm just thinking, like, what it was like. I know I'm still a young priest, but there's a big difference between being a newly ordained priest and a priest now in your seventh year. When you're a brand new priest, man, you are a young man. I had a guy at my first assignment. I'm still moving stuff into my office. He walks by. He's one of the counters for the collection. He came by, and he looked at me. He goes, you the new guy? I was like, yeah. He goes, how old are you? I'm like, 27? He goes, I got socks older than you. And he just kept walking. It's like, oh my gosh, you can call me father. All right. So these were, these were young men. These were young men. And like young men, uh, they had hearts that flagged. They had hearts that wavered. They struggled. They had fears. They had insecurities. They weren't just supercharged with this divine power to know how to lead. They, they struggled. How do we know that they struggled? Because Paul speaks directly into the fact that they're struggling. In this first letter, or the second letter that he writes to Timothy, we only have one side of the correspondence, right? We only have Paul's response to Timothy. But, you know, reading between the lines, you can see kind of, you can catch the photo negative of what Timothy must have written to Paul, or what he must have communicated to Paul, right? Imagine this, right? It's like he came across a letter that read something like this, right? Hey, thanks, Mike, for the invite. I'm looking forward to coming over on the 4th. Grilled chicken sounds great. I'll bring the potato salad, some iced tea, and sparklers for the kids. Okay, you come across this letter. All right. Only having that side of the letter, the the conversation, you can infer that what Mike was communicating was an invitation to a 4th of July cookout, and he was asking who uh, was going to bring what sides, right? You can read between the lines. See what I'm saying? Okay. So, what is Paul saying in response to Timothy? 
First thing is this. I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God that you have through the imposition of my hands. It's the phononegative. Timothy's heart was growing weary. His heart was growing weary and like, I get it. It's easy in ministry to let that fire begin to dim. The hardships that just kind of come that weigh on you over and over and over again, the pressures and the resistance that you get from people drain you. The words of the critics, they, they can cut deeper and deeper. And there's this, for Timothy for sure, way more than... <laughs> Anyway, the frightening persecution that's everywhere, like the fear of being rounded up, the fear of being imprisoned, beaten, tortured, martyred. It's a fear that paralyzes, right? And you start down this road of forgetting the love that got you there in the first place. You forget that first falling in love when Jesus, right, when Jesus looked upon you and you were seen, and you were known, and you felt in your heart this incredible love that doesn't come from this world. And you're overwhelmed by that beauty. And so Paul, here, he's, he's reminding Timothy, he's like, let your heart be touched again, brother. Let your heart be touched again, pierced again, moved again. Go back to that memory. Go back to that place. Those parts of your heart that have grown sclerotic and calcified and hardened, let that become softened again. And if I may, this is so equally true. This is so equally important for marriages. Stir into flame the gift of God that you have, dear married people, through the vows that you said. Because there's a lot of life between those vows and where you are now, and those things can grow cold. Paul continues, he says this, For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of of love and self-control. Timothy was wanting to run from the fight. We've all been there. When the hard thing shows up, I just don't want to face it. I don't want to deal with it. I want to run. It's daunting. I can't imagine how daunting it would have been for Timothy, right? Like, I can't imagine the responsibility that he felt, the pressure to get it right, the temptation to rely on himself, and this feeling that you're just all alone. I can't imagine how that felt for him. And Paul here, he's reminding him that, like, look, Timothy, you are not alone. You've never been alone, right? You've been given the Spirit. And who is the Spirit? Like, the person of love. You've been given this power, this person of love, divine love, who is power, who is love, who is courage, who is self-control. You have at your disposal immense resources. And he says to him, because of this, he says, so do not be ashamed of your testimony. Your testimony to our Lord. Do not be ashamed of your testimony. He's telling him again, just like Jesus, over and over again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Timothy, to tell your story. And do not be afraid or ashamed of your past. Because Timothy, just like every single one of us, has a past. And he's saying to him, your past, Timothy, it's been redeemed. It was redeemed by Christ. So do not be ashamed of your ongoing struggles because just because you've been called doesn't mean you stop struggling. 
Don't be ashamed of your ongoing struggles, your ongoing weaknesses. They don't disqualify you as much as the enemy relentlessly shouts in your ear that it does. Right? This is Paul who knows what it is to hobble along with a thorn in the flesh and to hear from the Lord, my grace is sufficient for you. Power is made perfect in weakness. This is Paul, the older brother, saying, keep going. You're not disqualified. You're not disqualified. Do not be ashamed that you're not perfect yet, Timothy. Keep telling your story. And then he says to him, do not be ashamed of me either. Do not be ashamed of me either. It's as if Paul is saying, like, the fact that I'm in prison, in chains, does not mean that this whole operation is failing. Like, I know you wonder sometimes, Timothy, I know you wonder sometimes when you're alone, if you should have said yes when I said to follow me, to come with me. Like, wouldn't life be a lot more simpler if you were still living with your mother, still living with your grandmother, and working in the city? Like, yeah, it would be a lot more simple. But you'd still be unfulfilled. You'd still be miserable, just like you were when I found you, Timothy. He's saying to him, he's encouraging his little brother, saying this, this opposition that we face, it's not the evidence that things are failing or that we're doing something wrong. It's actually the proof that we're being faithful to the Lord. Like Jesus, who ended on a cross. Where do you think it's going to end for you? <laughs> There's only one Christ that we follow. He's not the homecoming King Christ. He's not prom king Christ. He's not celebrity Christ. He's Christ crucified. Where do you think it's going to end for you? Like all the hard stuff you're failing, you're, you're, you're facing, Timothy, all that stuff that's coming your way. He says, bear it patiently for the sake of Christ and know that he's going to strengthen you in this. These men, right, Timothy and Titus, these were real men whose feast day we're celebrating today. These men were made of the same stuff that we're made of. They're made of the same stuff. They have the same hopes and same dreams, the same fears, the same insecurities. They were tempted like you and I are tempted. They're challenged like we're challenged. They're encouraged. They got encouraged like we get encouraged. When other people look at us and say, keep going, stir it in flame, the gift of God that you have. These are our older brothers in the faith, Timothy and Titus. And today they're telling us, from glory, they're telling us, it's worth it. Keep going. It's worth it. Amen.